Hey there, loyal listeners. Just a quick note about this episode before we get started. There was some interference with the recording for this episode, so the quality is going to be a little less than desired. Well, to be honest, a lot less than desired. The quality for this episode is shit, and I certainly hope that you can forgive us for that. But, coincidentally, so was the quality of the movie Anthropophagus. Now don't get me wrong, Anthropophagus is a fine movie and, spoiler alert, we both liked it. But we don't always have the benefit of beautiful 4K transfers of these movies. Sometimes we gotta stick with the grainy 16mm print that was found in a basement, and as fans of the genre, we're accustomed to it. In fact, we have a movie coming up in a couple weeks where the only copy I could find was some 7th generation VHS that looks like ass. So yeah, this episode has some sound issues, but think of it as an experience. The experience of watching some old exploitation film on a VHS that's been passed around since your parents were in diapers. The bonus episode for this week, absurd. Audio was fine on that, no problems there, so whether you paid the 99 cents as a subscriber to get it this week or you get it next week, I hope you enjoy it. We'll catch you next time. I'm Alexis Jowski. I swear I didn't eat my wife on a boat. <laughs> and this week we're talking about Anthropophagus, 1980, directed by Joe D'Amato. to terror from the Grim Reaper. Innocent travelers trapped in a mysterious house, tortured by a malevolent force, destined to discover the hidden room in the realm of the Grim Reaper. One by one, he tracks them down. One by one, they disappear. One by one, they come face to face with the ultimate terror. And now, he's coming for you. The Grim Reaper. Yeah, our homeboy, D'Amato. Yeah. And this is... This is one of his most notorious efforts. Yeah, I mean, it's not terrible. So, the name Anthropophagus, it means cannibal, but very specifically human cannibal. Right. Man-eater. Yeah, and since it's such a bizarre title, it was also released as The Grim Reaper, or The Savage Island. I mean, the name is appropriate, considering the Greek setting. 
Yeah, it's a Greek word, and it takes place in Greece. But at a grindhouse theaters in the early 80s, I don't think... It, they, they, people wanted, like, Jungle Love Goddess of the Cannibals and titles like that, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, this movie stars our boy George Eastman. Playing the only role he's capable of playing, or at least the only role he was ever allowed to play. Yeah, well, he was in, uh... No, he was still a monster in Emmanuel Louis Francois. Just a different yeah, kind of monster. Different, different kind of monster. In fact, this character is actually more sympathetic than his character. Yeah. Uh, even though he eats an entire fucking village, he's still yeah. more sympathetic than that asshole. Well, I mean, given his, I mean, what happens to him, like, he kind of, like, gosh, it's, it's... Uh, We also have Tisa Farrow, the, the female lead in this movie. She's Mia Farrow's little sister. I was say, she's uh, related to some famous people. Yeah, uh, she happened to be in Italy because she wanted to direct horror films. And she was dating this guy, Bernardo Maschesi. You know who that last name is? Yeah, it's Joe D'Amato's his son. It's his brother. Brother, is he? Oh. Yep. So she's like, hey, my bro needs a, a lead for this movie. Yep. Well, no, actually, it was more like D'Amato, real name Aristide. 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 Miss Jessie was like, hey, bro, you're dating a woman I want in my movie. That's pretty good. And George Eastman is also the screenwriter. Yeah, I, George writes himself into these roles. That gambling debt, you know. That gambling debt. Uh, yeah, actually, I found out how D'Amato and George Eastman met. Oh, yeah? How was how's that? So, George Eastman, his real name is Luigi Montefiore. Yeah, he obviously is Italian. Yeah. Giant. And he was kind of working as a writer. And then D'Amato approaches him. He's like, I got this script for a movie I need to write, but the script is really bad. It's a it's a Western that takes place in Canada called Red Coat. And so he, yeah. hi- hired, he hired George Eastman to rewrite it in a weekend. And to make sure that he did this job, D'Amato basically just like lived at his house that weekend and hand-fed him chicken so he wouldn't stop writing. So that's an, Best friends ever since. Best friends ever since. Yeah, they worked. How many? I don't know how many movies they worked on together. Either acting, George acting or writing, or both. Yep. So many. So Anthropophagus, the version and like of half of them were made because George had uh, <laughs> some debt. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I think it was Sessonero. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh yeah, Sessonero. That was not a bad. One. That was not a bad one. And actually, we, we we see a clip of it in our bonus film. I was gonna say, I'm pretty sure I recognize that movie there. So. This film, the title on uh, Tubi was The Grim Reaper, right. which is the, the film ventures version, but it still had the on-screen title of Savage Island. So it's, but the poster also says Anthropophagus. So on Tubi, it's like all three titles mashed into one. Grim Reaper being the least accurate of the three names. Yes. And so we start with that warbly music starts up. Yeah. And it's playing this like, keyboard song, as this couple is roaming through this Greek city that has the narrowest fucking streets. Like, you can't even get a, a bicycle down these streets. Yeah, it, it's obviously been there a while. Yeah, and, um, the music is awful. The, the music itself, it's done by, I can't remember his name, I think I have it later on in my notes. Yeah, the electronic music for the film was performed by Marcello Giam- Giambini. Huh? On just two synthesizers. It, it, it shows. Yep. And they yeah, actually... I mean, some of the score is okay. A lot of it is not. No, it's... Sometimes it's just like, oh god, this could have just been... I'd, I'd rather have no music than this music. 
but this couple, they're a German couple, we find out. Yeah, I had not remembered there being this much German in the movie. Without and, subtitles? Uh, yeah, and I thought, oh, uh, did I mistakenly turn on the German dubs? Yeah, because there's no subtitles. Some copies have subtitles for the German, ours did not. I mean, it's not particularly relevant. Yeah, whatever the fuck they're talking about when they show up at the speech, we no idea. I mean, they're just food. And she goes off while he listens to this. Well, my notes have it in quotes, pop music. I was like, German music in 1980 was weird. Yeah. And he puts on Probably East German. I'm guessing East German. Oh. Yeah, because it's just, there's no lyrics. <laughs> right. Just, you the only listen to it because you hate yourself. He's playing the people's keyboard. That's right. <laughs> but he puts the headphones on and just, <laughs> well, I'm sorry, getting over a cold. He, um, he's just jamming out, his eyes closed, while his girlfriend is swimming out, and she swims out to this boat, and we get a shot ripped off from Jaws, as she's eaten by, like, an underwater cannibal. <laughs> Someone squirts a big, uh, <laughs> a big bunch of illusion crimson up into the... Yeah, and, um, we get this dog that looks stoned, and has a dubbed whimper. Oh, yeah, the dog... The dog is just chilling there. And I like to think that the dog in the character actually gave no shits. They had to like dub the dog over. Like, man, this dog like actually is enjoying this guy's getting eaten. Gotta pretend. Yeah, they dubbed in whimpering over this just shots of a dog. And our ocean cannibal, you know, we just get his POV as he's walking along the beach, dripping blood everywhere. Breathing real heavy. Real heavy. And he is like literally right over this German dude who's just Eyes closed, bobbing his head to his music. Till the very last second, he wakes up just in time to get a cleaver to the head. He's practically Yep. And then we uh, go right to meet our our main cast for this movie, which is so fucking hard to keep track of. I know I like we try to pay attention to everybody's names and everything. This movie so difficult. A lot of them kind of look the same. Yeah, because there's like there's Maggie, the pregnant. Maggie is the pregnant one. Julie is the the nomadic hobo-looking woman, played by Tisa Farrow. Right. Uh, And Dan is the the horny blonde guy. But then there's like an Alan, and and I I think an Albert. I wrote some of these down, but, you know, they all kind of blur together. One of these guys is married to to pregnant Maggie. Yeah. And they're, they're... all on this group trip through Greece and that they're going to go island hopping. And Julie overhears them and she pipes in with like, Oh, hey, can I join you? And we, we stop by my this other island, you know, bonus island here. Because she was supposed to be there a few days ago for something. Oh, to take care of a kid. That's what it is. Yeah, Rita. Yeah. We don't even know why until we meet Rita. Right. She, she, she just says, I have a job to do on this island. They're like, sure, we'd love to visit Bonus Island. Join us on our trip. Oh, wait, is this Cat Island? This is Cat Island, right? At least the outside shots. I think. Like, when they pull up to it in the distance. I'm pretty sure that's Cat Island. Um, but where they are right now, they're they're in just literal Athens right now. Right. What movie was it that they called it Cat Island, and we just stopped calling that place Cat Island until the end of time? I don't even oh, God, that. I don't remember. Yeah, but it was, it was one of the, uh, the movies that we called Cat... Oh, God, I can't even remember. Like, literally, like, every outside <laughs> shot of an island for all the Joe D'Amato movies was this one fucking island. I think it was... It had to have been, like, one of his first, um, ones done in the... Was it Porno Holocaust or something? It could have been Porno Holocaust. I mean, it was it definitely was in Porno Holocaust, but it was also in several other movies that he made around that era. Could have been Papaya Love Goddess. Yeah. 
Yep. Well, I mean, it was in that one, too. I just don't remember which one it was that we saw at first. And we called it Cat Island because in the movie it was called Cat Island. Yeah, right. But I don't remember which movie that was. Maybe one of our listeners <laughs> can tell us. Yeah. But, so, we get these, like, really long, unnecessary shots of Greece, of oh, Athens. Yeah. We get this, like, whole changing of a guard in front of a government building. Yeah, this sightseeing. I, I, like, Damato was on vacation, and just like, uh, I need to write this off uh, quickly, roll camera. Yeah. Um, well, they did all of this to convince viewers that the rest of this movie really takes place in Greece. <laughs> Even though it doesn't. No, it was all shot in Italy. Um, around Rome, or at this, this island near Rome. Cat Island. Yeah. <laughs> But they throw all this, this shit with uh, the Greeks in there to make people think, wow, they really are in Greece. But really, it was just like a day trip to get some shots. And so they meet up with a guy in a really scuzzy orange van. Yeah. And yeah, then they get on a boat to, to head to the island, and Maggie is throwing up. Oh, seasick, this is a bitch. And so Dan, who's the blonde guy, like when they first met, he was like, it's going to be great having her along. Like, he's super crushing on Julie, even though he has a girlfriend. Yeah. This blonde woman named Carol that's with them. So, when Dan goes to give Julia a Coca-Cola... Product placement. Yeah. And it's just it's really bad hitting on. He's like, this is some weather. Yeah. Yeah, it's really nice and warm. Uh-huh. And that that's like it. But Carol is just looking at this, like, with knives in her eyes. I mean, for good reason. And so Dan has to go off and deal with Carol's attitude. And, um... <laughs> Dude, right in right front, like, literally right in front of her. Right in front of her. And so Julie goes off to talk to the, the boat pilot, um, I who I put Alan, question mark? I believe it is. And she's like, here, I don't drink Coke. <laughs> and apparently Carol's his sister. And we also learned that Carol is psychic-ish. Yeah, I mean, I... I I think she is. Like, she's correct <laughs> throughout the whole movie. So, yeah. So she does this tarot card reading. Still there? Yeah. Yeah, she does this tarot card reading. And the tarot cards, they don't look like our regular tarot cards. So I had to research it. It's a specific type of deck called Taraco Piedmontese, which is the tarot of Piedmont. Which it kind of has the same cards. They just look different. The suits are a little different, too. But this deck was used for games back in the Middle Ages, like when, when cards first became a thing. Like, this specific type of deck wasn't used for fortunes. It was used for games. Apparently so she's using it for fortunes. She's using it for fortunes. So she's telling Maggie's fortune, because Maggie's like, what's my baby gonna be? And Carol does her uh, tarot reading. It's like, your baby's gonna be dead. <laughs> Essentially. And she doesn't say that specifically. She doesn't say that to Maggie, either. She's like, she tells, oh. Uh, she tells the truth. Yeah, because Julie can tell that Carol's, like, disturbed by whatever she's seeing in these cards. And Julie just chimes in with, Oh, I know what this means. It means your baby's going to be happy and healthy, and you're going to have a wonderful life. And Carol, even though she hates her, is like, Nice save. And tells her, like, Okay, I couldn't make out what it all, what it means at all. It just means nonsense. And when it says that, it means that there is no future. And she believes that the island they're going to is death. Also not wrong. No. And nobody really buys into that. So she just sits right. the edge of the boat, just like, fuck it, tossing her cards into the ocean. Yeah, they have a whole scene where Alan is telling Julie about how she's always had these cards, and she's always been a little bit off. She 
and she never parts with the cards, and there she is throwing them overboard, like, just, we're gonna die here. Yeah, she's a bit touched. Yep, by the, by the spirits, apparently, because what she prophesizes comes true. And so they arrive at the island with ominous music on keyboard, synthesizer. It's 1980, just basically for the next, like, eight years, just in the in horror films, just assume it's all synth all the time. Yep, and... Maggie kind of trips getting off the boat, and they're like, oh no, you twisted your ankle, soak it in seawater. And they're like, peace out, and they just leave her. They leave her. Well, I think her, her bu- husband, boyfriend, whatever his name is, stays to, like, help her out. No, because it's just her and the boat guy who speaks Greek. Uh, oh, yeah, and, um, well, no, because it's not long after that, I have, oh, maybe boat guy is not her, her husband. No, boat guy's not her husband, because he's the guy later, he's the guy who dies in the caverns with her. Yeah, and Boat Guy dies up here. Yep. Um, they, literally just, they literally just abandon her. Yeah, they just leave her with Boat Guy. Yep. And so they go, and there's nobody living on this island. It's like, it's totally abandoned. And we get Anthropophagus POV, is what I put. Yeah. Even though the rest of my notes just call him Anthro. Until we learn his name. Yeah, he does this. Yeah. Um, gets my notes to be like, Anthro does this. <laughs> George East. Yeah, but we get Julie and Alan going to the public records office in the abandoned village. Uh, Danny and Carol see a, a a woman watching them, like the one person in this town is this woman that's watching them from a window. But when they go up to that room, now they see her on the street. And they're like, that was weird. Okay. And they just leave it at that. Um, Interestingly, it's the same really narrow Greek streets from the opening. Yeah. And when we saw the opening, there was... It was a lively little town. Yeah, well, you know, someone's found a good place to eat. Yeah, somebody, like, in, in between the time when we met that German couple, couple and when these people showed up, there was a fucking buffet. Yep. Although we don't get to know the details of that yet. Um, and so the, the woman wrote, go away, on the window, and then they find a dead body, half-eaten. Yep. And they're like, ooh, the mystery's a foot, gang. <laughs> and they're gonna, they're gonna Scooby-Doo this shit. I actually like the, the mystery part of this movie. Yeah, they don't decide, this town is abandoned and there's this half-eaten body in a building, let's get the fuck off this island. Right. They decide, no, we're gonna Scooby-Doo this shit and solve yeah. this mystery. To be fair, when they try to go back for Maggie, the boat is out in, like, the middle of the ocean. They can't get to it. Oh, yeah. Well, because we go back to Maggie... And then Boat Guy, I don't know, he goes in the water or something. Because I just know the part where she tries to pull the uh, the bucket up to get some fresh, cold seawater to soak her foot in. And it's just that dude's severed head is in the bucket. Yeah, the, the Boat Guy tries to get some water. It looks like he just jumps in. I think he's supposed to be pulled in. But it's like camera angle from underneath the water. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like he just falls in. And so his... And then, then, of course, she pulls up his head because that's just how things work. And our, our monster here, and apparently hops on the boat and knocks out Maggie, because the next time we see Maggie is just, we see her, her feet, and she's being dragged away somewhere. Yeah, she's going into cold storage. Yep, so they see that the boat's loose and just floating a floating adrift too far to swim, and that's when they're like, oh, let's just stay on the island for a bit then, and they just crash in some house, some random-ass house. I mean, there's nobody there, so. And they're eating random food from a crock pot, which my and my note is like, what the fuck are they eating from this crock pot? Did they just find food in this this house? And it's like, let's cook this. Nobody's here. Probably just going full fallout on this. Yeah, I'm gonna eat the blamo mac and cheese I found in this abandoned house. I have some uh, radroach steak. Yep. 
Meanwhile, Carol's like, I told you so, this island sucks. There's evil on the island. Yeah, yeah she's she's uh, not doing well. Carol is definitely uh, not, not in the right mind. And so they, they decide to also start drinking, but they're drinking unmarked wine. <laughs> not J&B Scotch. Sadly. Incidentally, I watched another movie recently where somebody goes into a bar and they order a J&B Scotch. And it was like, he said the thing! He said the thing! It's the tomato drink! It's not bad scotch, really, isn't it? And so, there's thunder and sound effects outside, but no rain, because they can't afford the rain. Yeah, I think I read this was Damato's lowest budget film, somehow. <laughs> yeah, so they, they have the sound effects of rain, and they, they flash a light to make it look like thunder, but there's just fucking dry-ass house. But, uh, what is the budget on this film? Like, 40 bucks? 50 bucks? <laughs> it wasn't much. Yeah. Well, they shot it in a, in a span of about a month. They started production on the 31st of March, and they wrapped on, um, in May. It's basically just the, uh, the month of April, which is when we're recording this episode. Well, how about that? Hey! That was not planned, though. <laughs> always pretend it was. Yeah, and, um, yeah, it doesn't say the budget here. There's other stuff about the, the production of the movie. But, so, Julie and Danny decide to explore this house, and we get a literal cat jump scare. Yeah, with, yeah, yeah. It was just like, okay. And and the cat just, like, jumps down and smashes on this piano and is running around the piano. And actually, that's the, the best part of the soundtrack in this movie. <laughs> it's better than the rest of the fucking music. It's a Philip Glass uh, cameo there. So. Yeah. And has their, like, which is bad and cliche is that cat jumping on the piano is. It's immediately followed by such an effective scare. Yeah, actually, I don't love jump scares, but the cat Doing that sets up the other scare. Effectively. Yeah, because you let your guard down after the jump scare. You're like, okay, yeah, yeah, jump scare. And then, and then, boom, this girl jumps out of wine, just soaking in wine, looks like blood, and just stabs Danny. She looks like freaking Carrie. Yeah, yeah to be fair, Danny deserved it. Not, not because of anything he did in the scene, he just deserved it. Yeah, Danny sucks. It is. And so we find out that this, this girl, because Julie knows her, this is Rita, um, the girl that she was supposed to come take care of, because she's this young blind girl with an English accent. Yes, and her parents are supposed to be English, I think they mentioned that. Yeah, um, at least they explain the accent, and we get to our bonus episode, that the dialect in that movie is all over the fucking place. Um, but yeah, this is Rita that Julie was supposed to come take care of, and, and Rita is like, he's coming, he smells of blood. She's blind, by the way. She is blind, yeah. That's why she can smell when Anthropophagus is coming. It's a blind genie. And so they, uh, they, they help get her to bed, and Danny decides now it's his time to make the moves on Julie. Yeah, and, fuck this scene, by the way. And Julie's like, ah, yeah, you know, oh, don't you have a girlfriend? And he's like, oh, Carol may be in love with me, but she can't give me what I want, what I need in a woman. I've got and it I'm with like, you. And I'm like, well, what is that? And we never get an answer to whatever the fuck it is you're talking yeah, because Julie's like, well, see, I'm taking care of this traumatized blind girl on an island where everybody was eaten by a, a cannibal, so now's not the time, Danny. Yeah, there's so many throwaway lines in these movies. It's like, it could be something cool, some interesting bit there. No, 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 okay. And then Carol walks in and sees them like this, and Carol is pissed off. She's like, damn you! I hate you, Julie! We're trapped here! It's all your fault, you bitch! And we get this long chase scene through the day-for-night forest. <laughs> yes, saw uh, the day-for-night forest. Uh, Some classic day-for-night. Yep. 
and they end up in a, in a cemetery, and it is just playing the worst music here. So, this is interesting, because I actually commented on the music as well, and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It sort of sounds like just random notes. Yeah, but it's, it's high, high energy, supposed to be. It's got some interesting, like, rhythmic to it, a lot of triplets, but I don't know. I think it's supposed to be unnerving, but yeah, it's my- also... It kind of grew on me over time. Because my note, it plays for like four minutes. My note here is the soundtrack vomit emoji. <laughs> it's definitely there is some sort of chord progression in there, but I couldn't tell you what the what the actual progression is. I'm not that good in music theory. It's yeah. definitely a lot of dissonance, and it's, it's just not tones. But one of the unnamed guys, Alan, maybe. Alan's the main character, main, main male character, he's red shirt. He's like, hey, hey, Julie, what are you doing in this cemetery? She's like, Carol locked me in here and ran off. And um, while they're out there fucking around trying to find where Carol went to, Danny is alone with the blind girl. And the blind girl wakes up screaming that he's here! I can smell him! And it's a beautiful shot as Danny goes into the room. And he's like, yeah. "Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna look for him. I'm gonna lock this door for you." And he shuts the door, and that's the first time we see Anthropophagus. He was hiding behind the door, and the yeah, lightning goes off, so we see him. It's uh, 50 minutes into the film. It's about more than halfway, through, almost two thirds of the way through the movie. We actually hadn't seen him yet. It's pretty cool. Yeah, he's eight foot tall, and his face is fucking falling off. Yeah, I'm not in love with the costume <laughs> in this movie. George Eastman by himself is very physically imposing. In this costume, he's kind of dumb. George Eastman wasn't a fan of the costume either because it took fucking two hours every morning to put on that makeup. Yeah, it didn't even look good. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Danny does go up there and he he, tr- he tries to fight Anthropophagus, but of course he can't win. George Eastman is like six foot nine. That's He's actually six foot nine. He does manage to save the blind girl. Anthropophagus switches over to Danny and bites his neck out. Goes full zombie. Yeah, and I guess he decides, well, I'm full, and fucks off. I mean, that's not, like, the choice part of meat, is it? It's, I don't know, maybe I should defer to the experts on... Well, that's basically the human gizzard. <laughs> yeah. And chicken gizzards taste like trash. Well, I mean, I'm not a cannibal, so... I don't know, maybe maybe that is the good part. Maybe, I don't know. We have, I put my note here says, some chewing gore. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Because he savors it. It's not like he was just biting to kill. He He's like, no, oh. That's, I mean, he's eating these people, so it's just like, uh, it must be a good part, right? Ooh, I love Italian. <laughs> <laughs> the Greek guy is sending out the Italian. Yeah, this is like the Olive Garden of people. And so it's like the next day, and everyone's still walking through the forest trying to find Carol. And I wrote down the name Artie, so I guess that's this guy's name? Artie? Artie. Arnie is Maddie's husband. He's like, we're gonna die! That monster's gonna kill us! My wife's probably dead! Not wrong. And as they wander, they arrive at the random, random villa. Yeah, this palatial, giant Victorian mansion in the middle of the fucking island. Which is actually an abandoned villa a few miles north of Rome. Oh, it's pretty. Yeah, it's used in, like, all the Emmanuel films. The black Emmanuel films. Yeah. Laura Gensler has fucked in this abandoned villa. She's used her sex man. Yes. And, um, so they're like, let's see if anybody's home. And fucking woman yeets herself off the fucking balcony right as they show up. Yeah, so the woman they were falling around had taken Carol. was taking care of 
then decides to hang himself. And that shot's pretty, uh... It's a pretty nice shot. Yeah, it is. It's pretty good. I mean, say what you want about Joe D'Amato's movies, he's an excellent son. Because this woman, she just ties the noose, and, you know, as soon as they open the door, she just leaps off the balcony and hangs herself. I like the setup, too, because you have the woman, and you know she's got Karen, and she's just tying the, the slip knot, tying the noose, she thinks that she's gonna throw Carol off, and she ends up hanging herself with all the old uh, bait and switch. Yep. And I'm not quite sure who this woman was. It's Georgie's sister. The sister, Karen. okay. That's the sister. Alright, because we also learn about some backstory here. Not all of the backstory. We find out that this villa was owned by the, the Wartman family. And the patriarch was Klaus Wartman, who was mysteriously shipwrecked with his wife and kid, and they disappeared. And uh, they've been, like, the masters of this island for over a century, is what someone says. What Julie says. And that's the sister. Klaus. That's Klaus's sister. She has a name, but I don't Neither do I, and I don't think I made a note of it. I mean, we're not really introduced to her. <laughs> and we find out that, yeah, um, they find the family photos, and this... Anthropophagus guy is Klaus Wartman. Yeah. And they has been uh, hiding the evidence of his chewing. Yeah, because he, he came back to town and just started eating everybody. And so she was hiding all the bodies in the in the house until it just became too many because he, he ate the, the whole town. Yeah, there's, there's only so much space. And they find the room full of dead bodies. Uh, meanwhile, Arnie is like, I'm gonna go through these ruins and these catacombs, which were real catacombs, with yes. r- real dead bodies in them. It's, it's, it's a, I think we mentioned this before when we looked at this years ago, that they- There's a tourist area, I think you can actually go visit that shit. That they had all these, you know, skeletal remains of, like, Christian martyrs in this crypt, and D'Amato's like, this isn't enough bones, so they got fake bones and put them in there, and- Some mountain real bones. And so, when they cleaned up the set, the, the people just took all of the bones, oh, and, no. and they had no way to tell which were the fake bones and which were the real bones of these Christian martyrs. Oh, no. So, D'Amato decided to just keep them all in his house forever. Because he'd get in trouble if he tried to return them. The joke just died with his collection of human remains in yeah, his house. Yeah, he just had these... appropriate somehow, I don't know why. That fits for him. That's the tracks. But so Arnold's going through here. We get that that horrible bat effect. Yeah. Because, well, we get the the screech of a bat, and then right after, this rubber bat is, like, thrown from off camera and smacks against him and falls to the floor. It's so cheesy. I loved it. And he finds Maggie in there, and they're like, and she's still alive. She's doing some aging. Yep. And... Antipophagus shows up, or Klaus. We can just call him Klaus now. And they're trying to plead with him. It's like, we didn't do you, do anything to you. My wife's pregnant, go away. And he's walking to them so slowly that he has time for a flashback on the way. Yes, he does. And the flashback is actually awesome. Yeah, it actually is. Um, because him and his wife and his kid are trapped on this life raft. And the wife is comforting the kid who's dead. The kid's dead. This is a... And... So Klaus gets up, he takes this knife, and he's like, we're gonna eat the kid. Okay, kid's dead. Yeah, kid's dead. Not, gonna, not going to kill the kid. Kid's already dead. And she's like, it's our son. And he goes, he's meat now. Yeah, they're dying <laughs> on the water, and they have, uh, you know, desperate times. 
And so she tries to stop him, but he ends up stabbing her. Yeah, she gets in the way of the knife, and, uh... And then she has the worst line, though, because she's like, That really hurts! But, like, okay. yeah. She's got stabbed. And, um, and then he's all crying and sad, but then eats his dead family. Oh, uh, yeah. Because he survives, but it kind of... And the whole time this flashback went on, uh, Alan and Maggie stayed. They didn't take the time to fuck off. They just waited for him to have this flashback and catch up to them. Oh, I also forgot to uh mention during that flashback, the dead kid is a fucking ginger. Yeah. Not that that matters, it's just how did George Eastman and this woman make this dead ginger kid? And so here is a thus kid, kid didn't have a chance, though, out in the sun. Oh, yeah. Ginger kids just bake. Yeah, they get sunburned on a cloudy day. Source, my sister is a ginger. And so, uh, here is the scene. Yeah. Because, uh, he stabs, what's his, Albert, Allen, not Allen, Arnold. Arnie, yeah. Arnie, Arnie. Stabs him, but just like, leaves him there suffering. And he goes to Maggie, and he rips the fetus out of her body. And so she's still dazed while they, they watch Klaus eat the fetus. It's so fucked up. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a it's a bit much. Yeah, they just watch him rip this fetus out of her, and she's still alive watching him eat it, and it's <laughs> really good special effect. It's a uh, skinned rabbit. Yes, that Damato picked up that day from the butcher shop below his office. Well done, Joe. Yep. It's, a, it's a bit much, and, and an unnecessary, but, you know. Well, it, 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 it fits. I mean, that was always Joe's thing, right? More extreme, the better. And, um, we don't see much what he does with these two. As we go to Carol, you know, fucking around this villa, and suddenly, boom, Klaus is there. He fucking teleported. Yeah. I'm assuming while she's investigating the house, it's going on. Yeah. And then he returns during the process. So those two, those two things were... She's looking through the house, and they're reading. They're reading the notes, and you know, Carol and Alan's gone. Fuck off! He's going to go get some. And uh, Carol and Julie are investigating the house. Arnie's trying to find his wife. I think all these things are happening at the same time. Yeah, because now it's just Julie and Rita. Because Carol, we don't even see Carol die. Yeah, they're just like, Carol, are you there? And she steps into the room without a throat, just blood spilling everywhere. Right. And um, yeah, kind of, a, kind of a. Kind of an anticlimactic death for Carol. Yeah, so Julie and Rita fuck off to the attic to hide out. And, you know, Klaus is trying to get in. He's shaking the door, but then he stops. And they're like, oh, we're safe now. But no, he busts through the roof. That's pretty good. And it's a really good effect because he grabs Rita by the hair and pulls her up. Just like practically fucking scalps her and, and she's dead. Yeah, I, yeah, at this point I go, it's actually kind of interesting. This movie pulls no punches about about killing targets. Pregnant women, blind teens, fetuses, all fair game, no plot. Yeah, if it's got a pulse, this man will eat it. Yeah, uh, you know, it adds a little bit of realism and terror to it. If it were a little bit higher budget, maybe played a little bit straighter. Nobody is safe in this movie. It's true, nobody's safe in this movie. So Julie's our final girl. Yes. Um, She pushes... Klaus off the, the ceiling, off the roof, and she knows he ain't dead. Right. 
my notes here. Julie is the final girl with her pickaxe and her fucking hobo clothes. <laughs> um, because, boom, he jumps out of the well and yanks her down into the well. And she's dangling like her hand is caught in this rope. So she's just dangling there while he crawls on up. And that looks incredibly painful, and it would have been. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which and I appreciate it. She manages to get out of the well, and before he can do anything to her, like an Alan shows up out of nowhere and yeah. eviscerates him with the with the pickaxe. Klaus just sees his guts spilling out of his body, and so he's holding all of his intestines, and like he looks at Alan and just fucking eats his own guts out of spite. I was gonna say <laughs> one of two things: either he's an evil opportunity cannibal, including eating himself, or he's just like fuck you, I'm going out my own way. Yeah. It, 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 it almost looked like spite. Such an anger. Yeah. I mean, Eastman's face definitely looked like he was just like, fuck you, I'm going out my own way. And the way this is, is what he's eating is actually a type of food from Italy called a payata, huh. which is the uh, the intestines of an unweaned calf that's served with the chyme in it. Close. Yeah, so it's an unweaned calf. And so the intestines are filled with half-digested mother's milk. I mean, my... Newborn does throws that up on me like every day. Like, yeah, I wouldn't want to eat that. It's disgusting. Um, usually people bake it, but he's eating it raw and off camera. Tomato is screaming, "Take a big bite, George! Eat it! You love that payata." <laughs> I get the feeling George and, and Joe just talk shit to each other constantly. <laughs> and then the the credits just start right there with a song that sounds like something out of Clockwork Orange. Yeah. A traditional early 80s horror movie ending where they just kind of like end it. There's no like data watch. It's like, we're done. Yep. So this movie was banned in a lot of places. Uh, I guess. Especially it's, the UK. Well, the UK banned everything. Um, Even when they would cut out the, the fetus scene, it was still like, it's still bad and was banned. I mean, it's gory, but without the fetus eating scene, it's nothing that special. No, I mean, it. It is gory. Definitely I mean, gory. Our bonus episode is gorier. Yeah, but nobody eats a fucking fetus in the bonus That's episode. That's true. That's what I'm saying. Like, you cut the cut the fetus scene out, and it's not, I mean, it's not that much worse than most horror films. Yeah. Um, and considering this is the same year that he made Porno Holocaust on the same fucking cat island. Yep. With George, written by George Eastman. And I think I can't remember if he was in it or not. Can't remember if he was or not either. But that's a movie where a, a woman has her head impaled on a dick. Yes. Yeah. That and somehow this is the better movie. <laughs> it's an okay movie. Like the score kind of sucks. I like the mystery elements to it though. I feel like the I feel like it builds well. Yeah. Like we didn't need the backstory, but I totally appreciate that we got it because it it humanizes the character. Yeah, well, as I was just mentioning, like, the fact that this dude went through some shit, and, you know, just trying to survive, and then he accidentally kills his wife while there, and she's just trying to survive, and now he, I mean, he's completely broken. Why he turned into, like, a raging cannibal, I guess, the last memory of his sane life was eating his family, then, yeah, okay, maybe that's just, well, his id becomes cannibal, I don't know. But. Well, once you get a taste for it. I guess, but yeah, I mean, you feel like, at least this character is like, oh shit, that sucks, like, that's a horrible thing to happen, I kind of understand why that would break it, whereas characters, like, in Emmanuel, he's like, yeah, that's just evil. That dude, <laughs> yeah, that's just evil. There was no, 
backstory to his evilness. He was just born without right. a soul. <laughs> we literally have a character that needs a fetus in this movie that I that I have more empathy for than the character in Emmanuel. Yeah. But there are a couple of things that bug me. You got, the, you got Danny saying, oh, I can't provide, you know, Carol can't provide this for me. Like, what is it? Yeah. Yeah. Or my favorite is like, yeah, she went blind at five. Like, we're never going to learn what caused her to go blind, are we? Nope. Um, yeah, Throwaway she, lines that I want answers to. But Well, yeah, yeah, Danny is, like, here on this cannibal island where everybody is dead, and everybody's really worried that they're trapped here on this island of death. Danny's like, I want to get my dick wet. Yeah, it's like, I need to crush some puss. Yeah, he's a terrible character. And who's worse, him or the, the asshole from Leprechaun 2? Unless the guy from Leprechaun does something. Like, he tries to help. No, he doesn't. Yeah. He calls that girl like a fucking stuck-up bitch, and then gets his... Oh, yeah, no, no, I think of, I think of the character from the first one. No, I'm talking the second one. Yeah, no, right, that guy's worthless, too. Yeah. No, no, Danny's better, because Danny at least tries to go find some help, to, or tries to go deal with Klaus. Yeah, and he, he tries to take care of the blind Rita. And actually... Saves Rita from getting eaten by offering himself up as an appetizer. Guy in Leprechaun 2 died still thinking he was getting laid. Yep, that's true. You're right. Yeah. That guy was worse. But anything else on Anthropophagus? Um, I, you know, it's a good movie. Like, it's a slasher film with a nice little, like, mystery. I like that they don't show the killer until 50 minutes in. It kind of has some overlap with Sleepaway Camp, ironically. You have the first person shots, you don't really see the killer for most of the movie. So, yeah. I kind of like that. Uh, the costuming for George is pretty shit. He looks like The Undertaker at home. Um, wrestling fans will get that. Uh, yeah. The score is terrible, for the most part. Um, it's got some good tension. Motto's cinematography is always always at least above average, if not good to great. He's, he's very good at that. Um, yeah. I, you know, I like it. It's excessively violent. It's got shocking gore for just for the sake of shocking, but it's an exploitation film. Fuck you on. This is exploited. Yeah. This is the it's, show. This is the life. This is the life we've chosen. Yeah. This is what it is. It's it's good for for its its genre and time and everything. You know. I mean, nineteen eighty is still kind of early in the slasher era, so pretty good. Yep. So that is Anthropophagus. Our bonus episode this week is it's kind of spiritual sequel. That's not at all a sequel. No, there's some, some, some thematic overlap a little bit, and stylistically, stars George Eastman as the bad guy again. Yeah. That's about, that's about the extent of it. I mean, it's homaging a different film, because this, this is just a cannibal movie of the cannibal genre. Yeah. And the yeah, other- cannibal movie across the slasher film, which actually is kind of a cool idea now that I think about it. Yep. And our bonus episode, which the movie is absurd, by the way. Yes. Both the title and the description. (laughs) (laughs) The doctor even says the thing early on in the movie. Yeah. Um, That one is more of a Halloween ripoff. Yes. But that is our bonus. That's going to be our bonus episode. So if you are one of our paid subscribers for 99 cents a month, you get the bonus episode when it airs. Everyone else has to wait a week. Um, we didn't mention, would you rather have 9pm taco shop coffee or anthropophagus? 
Thick Anthropop. This is the second time I've watched this movie for, for one of our shows, and I still like it. Yep. I, mean, I think I would take this movie. I wouldn't want to be drinking coffee or eating during it. No. No. Uh, yeah. Definitely don't want to eat during this movie. It's a, it's a, it's got some grim stuff in it, but it's, it's a solid slasher. It is. But I hope you enjoyed our episode on Antipophagus. Make sure to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you like what we do, make sure to leave a review or give us a rating. Help get the word out. For more episodes, check out our website, exploitatpodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter, at podcastexploit. Or contact us at exploitatpodcast at gmail.com. So we got our bonus episode of Absurd. And next week, we're going to be watching some people in New York go crazy. Catch you then!